0: to episode 184 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan. I'm one of the co-founders here at ETR, as always, joined by the big dog himself, the master of the NFL draft props, the master of your top 150. Coming soon, it is fellow co-founder Evan Silva and Evan, the 2021 NFL draft is in the books. We now have, uh, I think, a, a very clear picture of each team's roster, the fantasy season, officially in our sights how's it going
1: going well it's it's been a lot of fun it's been a lot of fun it's been a a grind though I mean I'm ready to get some sleep I think after I got like six more teams to do I did the AFC draft grades I got six more NFC teams to write up we got this draft tonight after it's all done I I think I'm gonna pop like three melatonins (laughs) and just sleep for like 24 hours and then, um, you know, get my heart rate down to, like, one beat every four seconds. And, you know, if I don't wake up, like, just know I, I went in peace. But but if I do wake <laughs> up, then I'm going to start jamming on the on the draft guide. May 10th is going to be our drop date for the top 150. And um, we're going to get some tears out there. And I, I, I'm I'm genuinely excited to kind of do something different than the draft because we've been doing this, like, you know this has been our life for the last like multiple weeks
0: yeah so many draft packages but it was so fun and honestly like i was never into the draft so you could bet props like i'm not that into the draft just oh tell me who landed on which team after it's over but since we got the props it makes it so 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 much more fun we can actually profit on it. and i know that anybody who listened likely did really well on their draft props so that was awesome okay on today's show we're going to go team by team through each AFC franchise, talking about fantasy implications of each team's draft on the, maybe some futures as well. And then on the next episode, we will go through the NFC. Before we get into it, have to tell you guys about a very special offer from our friends at Underdog Fantasy. It is officially, officially best ball season right now. And Underdog released their flagship tournament on Sunday night. $25 bill, $25 buy-in, $1 million to first, just like absolutely absurd if you use the link in the show notes and or promo code etr after you deposit they'll give you a free 25 dollars, new or existing user they're only offering this through tuesday so check it out again link is in the show notes promo code etr 25 dollars for free on top of any deposit okay evan let's get into it with the baltimore ravens of course they made the charade with the kansas city chiefs that didn't end up netting them two first round picks they spent one of those on Rashad Bateman at 27th overall. They spent the other first round pick on a pass rusher, Odafe Owe, at 31st overall. I mean, my big takeaway from the Ravens just offseason and draft as a whole is I think it's a significant upgrade for Lamar Jackson. He goes from Hollywood Brown, Willie Sneed, Boykin, DuVernay to something like, you know, Bateman, uh, Hollywood, Sammy Watkins, DuVernay, hopefully a better performance from Mark Andrews. And so Lamar Jackson's ADP is around QB5 right now behind Mahomes, Josh Allen, Kyler, and Dak. I think there's room for profit on that. What do you think about the Ravens draft and outlook for Lamar right now? Yeah, the Ravens always do well in the draft, and I
1: think they had another rock-solid draft. You know, they banged out a bunch of needs. Rashad Bateman uh, fills a big need at wide receiver. Uh, Odafe Owe at, uh, at edge to replace Matt Judon. Uh, ben Cleveland, their third round pick, I think is going to compete to start right away at left guard with Bradley Bozeman or at center. Um, so and, and those were all, all big needs. They came back in the fourth round and took Tyland Wallace, who fell a little bit um, uh, past where people thought that he might go uh, deep into the fourth round. Uh, and he was highly productive. In college, You know, that you know, we know the issues, though, with the with the Ravens' uh, uh, pass catchers from a fantasy standpoint, and I don't think it was the best landing spot for Rashad Bateman, although we did talk with Karain that he thinks that the, the overcorrection might be too – or the, the, the correction on Rashad Bateman to adjust for the offense might be too much, and if Rashad Bateman starts to fall, you know, deep into the second round of Dynasty rookie drafts, he might end up being a steal. Karain is right that things can change – you know, they could change coordinators. They almost changed coordinators from Greg Roman after this past year, all of a sudden start throwing the ball, you know, a hundred more times per season. That's, that, that's, that's, you know, you, you can't rule that out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. It's, it's, you know, but it's uh, I, I do like their draft. It was a nuts and bolts draft. They, they took care of a lot of issues and they got a lot of good players.
0: Yeah. And again, I'm optimistic on a bounce back year for lamar for sure i think qb5 in fantasy is very very fair a lot of room for profit there by the way evan mentioned Karens rookie rankings he's working on those now obviously the ones are up right now for pre-draft he'll have those up to uh for post-draft later this week be sure to check that out buffalo bills we didn't have to get into the travis etienne debate as he did not make it to them at 30th overall they ended up taking greg rousseau shout out to us we had greg rousseau to go in the first round Prop, which was good. They spent their first four picks, Evan, on defensive line or offensive line. From a fantasy perspective, though, you know, they didn't have a lot of needs. From a fantasy perspective, they did not add a running back. So I thought, you know, a reasonable take up for Zach Moss. Nothing major. What did you think of Buffalo's draft?
1: Yeah, there were some teams that seemingly faced like a a lot of outside pressure to go draft running backs and draft running backs early. Mm -hmm. The Bills and the Dolphins, neither of them did. Um, and that's because they <laughs> know how this thing works better than, you know, people, a lot of people in the media. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I actually I applaud them for, for resisting that outside pressure. They, you know, not not a lot of fantasy impact here. Um, but if you watch the Bills play last year, you knew that there was so, there was like something missing from their defense. Their offense took a huge step forward and became the foundation of the team. In all the previous seasons under Sean McDermott, the defense had been the foundation of the team. And it's because they lack pass rush there. They're getting really old on the edges. Jerry Hughes is past his prime. So they doubled down with Gregory Rousseau and Boogie Basham with their first two picks. And they came back and doubled down. You know, Brandon Bean is actually actually a Dave Gettleman disciple. He came from that Carolina uh, front office. And one thing that, that Dave Gettleman has done uh, historically, for better or worse, is to double down at positions. And the Bills did that with pass rusher, and then they did it with offensive line, Spencer Brown and Tommy Doyle in the uh, in the third and fifth rounds. And now they have – I mean, they're returning all five starters up front and, and a, a couple of uh, – uh, experience reserves and now they've they just injected a uh, youthful talent into their offensive line I continue to like the way that they build I think it'll be interesting to see if they add a veteran free agent running back um, here in the coming days but Zach Moss and Devin Singletary came out of this thing uh, you know looking pretty decent in the short term
0: yeah for sure and by the way still on the street is Le'Veon Bell is uh, Todd Gurley is Duke Johnson and so we'll see where they end up and we'll talk a little bit more about that as we move on here. Cincinnati Bengals, big decision for them was at number five. Do they go Jamar Chase? Do they go Penny Sewell? They decide to go Jamar Chase. And I, I honestly can't kill him for it. Like, I thought they should take Penny Sewell. I think Evan thought they should take Penny Sewell. But Jamar Chase's profile is just absurd from an athletic measurable, from production, like truly an elite, elite prospect. And their offense, I think Joe Burrow is a hit. T. Higgins is a hit. Tyler Boyd is a hit. I think Jamar Chase is going to be a hit. They did come back and take offensive line in the second round, but it's still going to be a concern. I'm curious what Brandon thinks about Bengals' offensive line we talked to him a little bit later this summer. Other thing I wanted to note on the Bengals is they did take Michigan running back Chris Evans in the sixth round, and they do have Samaj P. Ryan. They do have Trayvon Williams. They do have XFL standout Jacques Patrick, but the talk from Cincinnati's front office is that they want Joe Mixon to be that every down back and Gio Bernard now with the Bucks, Gio Bernard was playing like 20, 25% of the snaps in games and ton of passing down. So me and Leonie did our first best ball draft of the season last night. The stream is up on YouTube. If you guys want to watch it back, we did take Joe Mixon at 15th overall. And I honestly feel pretty good about that. Um, anyways, Evan, what do you think of Cincy's draft?
1: Yeah. I just wish they would have addressed the, I wish they would have hit the offensive line harder. Um, I think that they messed up not taking Tevin Jenkins at what number 38 overall I, I I'm with you on I you know theoretically I thought that Penny Sewell made more sense for their team but Jamar Chase is such a badass that mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm cool with it you know um, and I, I think that he's gonna crush in year one no matter what Uh but I, I really wish that they would have. I mean, they're, they've got the number one overall pick at quarterback coming off a torn ACL after getting sacked to high heaven. Uh, but, you know, in an offensive line that has been, um, you know, it, it has been like among the worst in the league for a really long time. So, and then they passed on the opportunity to take Tevin Jenkins at 38 overall. It traded down and they wound up settling for Jackson Carmen, who played left tackle at, Clemson for uh, behind Trevor Lawrence wasn't very good has really short arms uh, is coming off back surgery and you know this is the guy that they had to settle for Mm -hmm. and that that was just it was a discouraging turn of events I think and then they they picked uh, another offensive lineman, Deontay Smith at East Carolina. I've never seen him play, but I read about him in the Bob McGinn article. He sounds interesting, but probably like a project. So they very well may not get any impact from their offensive line picks uh, in year one, and that that's that's really discouraging. I, I don't I don't you know I love Jamar Chase, and I don't think they had a, a very good draft.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's well said. Uh, Speaking of the AFC North, the Cleveland Browns, I don't have a lot to say about this. They used a third-round pick on Anthony Schwartz. I think they actually quietly do need wide receiver help. They're thin behind Odell and Jarvis, and Odell and Jarvis, I believe both of their contracts have situations where they could come to a head here in the next year, but the Browns did get your only A in the AFC in the draft grades. Why'd you end up with an A on the Browns, and what do you think about their draft?
1: Well, they got a bunch of good players and they needed to upgrade their defense. Um, They, and, and they hit pass defense really hard. Greg Newsome just fell into their laps at 26. I thought that he was deserving of going as early as 16 to Arizona. Um, They made a trade up for uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, who, I mean, Lance Zeline had, had as the number like eight overall player, Daniel Jeremiah had him as a top, 15 player. It was surprising. He won the Buck Kiss award. Um he uh they they did not and they didn't have to give up much to um all they had to do was drop from 89 to 113 in order to move up from what 58 to uh 52 in a deal with uh, I believe the Raiders. uh that, w- that was an excellent excellent uh, it was the Raiders or, or no, it was Carolina. Sorry. Uh, but I, I thought that was an excellent, excellent move. Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa can, like, cover in the slot. He's that athletic. Uh, Josh Norris compared him to uh, Thomas Davis. Um, he's going to be an impact pass defender in the middle of the field where they have gotten burnt historically because, in large part, because they have not prioritized linebacker help. Um they uh, they they reversed course there, and I, and I really like it. Schwartz I think is like a gadget player. James Hudson, the tackle guard that they got out of Cincinnati, I think is like a, a player that can absolutely grow into a starter. They're starting to get a little bit old at uh the, at the guard positions, or or at least at left guard with Joel Batonio. and then Ohio State. Uh, defensive tackle Tommy Togiai this guy um, uh, he's like a a powerful he's like a power player and his and his athletic measurables were really good uh, coming into uh, coming out I mean on down to Richard LeCount uh, the Georgia safety was a takeaway specialist in the SEC I mean they got a lot of good players and I think had the best draft in the AFC
0: yeah And, Um, and, and
1: you know what they are they're catching up in terms of odds to win yeah. the AFC North. They are they're closing in on Baltimore. Ball, they were like plus 250 uh, a couple weeks ago. Now they're plus 150. Ravens are at plus 120.
0: Yeah, I think the Browns are going to be very good. I think everybody thinks the Browns are going to be very good. Can they beat the Chiefs, I think, is a, a question that's worth asking. But they're going to be very, very, very good. The Browns will this year. Certainly a ton of talent on paper. And Evan's only A. Evan mentioned the uh, Josh Norris there quickly. Shout out to Josh, our great friend Josh, who – Uh, had one of the best mock drafts, if not the best mock draft in the history of mock drafting. Evan came in fifth. Josh Norris came in first. And we only know this because Josh Norris took not a victory lap, but a victory marathon for about 24 hours with his mock draft. But congratulations to him. (laughs) Evan, I know you know how hard those mock drafts are. though. That was really impressive performance by Josh. Shout out to him.
1: No, when I, I when I won uh, a couple of years back, I, I, I like pretty much did the same thing. But um, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I did it as much as Josh. I, I definitely took a victory lap, but it was not it was nothing like Josh. But shout out to Josh. He's like legitimately yeah. one of the most humble dudes. And he was just excited. Yeah. You know, he's just excited. And he's so passionate. and He works so hard. Um, so I'm happy for him. It, it started to get a little annoying at the end, though.
0: <laughs> yeah he had the uh uh trey lance going going third which uh you know i think by the end a lot of people had, but not everybody and then you know the other big ones he was he's always has his his finger on the pulse of caroline and so that he had them taking jc horn at eighth which we were able to capitalize on for the plus 300 on first defensive player taken so yeah i was all good and evan had those yeah as but to well emphasize, he had the best mock draft of all time right so that's crazy <laughs> incredible All right. The Broncos had an interesting weekend, man. Uh, You know, Mark Schlereth goes on Denver radio Mm -hmm. and starts talking about how the deal is done for Aaron Rodgers. And like nobody else was saying it, but it got run with a little bit. I mean, you could get some crazy numbers on Denver 50 to one to win the AFC. I mean, crazy stuff and the markets kind of got flooded quickly with Denver money. I don't know, man. There's no the Packers have no incentive whatsoever to trade. Aaron Rodgers, he can threaten to sit out. Maybe he will sit out for the whole year, but I mean, that's the only leverage that he has. Like Jeopardy is his leverage. I'm going to sit out and coast Jeopardy for a year. That's your leverage. So I don't know. And then they pass on Justin Fields. If they're not getting Aaron Rodgers and they pass on Justin Fields, even if you don't love Justin Fields, maybe you think he's only 30 or 40% to hit. I mean, what are the chances you're going to get someone with the upside of Justin Fields again in the draft? And then less than 24 hours after they pass on Justin Fields, they trade up for a running back in Javante Williams. So, man, I'd be hard-pressed not to give them a really, really bad grade, just assuming that they don't get Aaron Rodgers. Um, I don't know, man. What a wild weekend for the Broncos. What would you think?
1: Yeah, I was really conflicted writing this AFC th- – this draft grade in, in my AFC draft grades for Denver because I really like a lot of the individual players that they selected. Patrick Tr- Sertan is a stud. Mm-hmm. I really like Javante Williams, and I think he's going to be an upgrade on Melvin Gordon. Uh, Quinn Miners, this uh, – the, uh, the, small school guard slash center. I mean, he's going to the best uh, uh, offensive line coach in the league and Mike Munchak. I mean, he, he's like an athletic Marvel. He was a dominant uh, D three player. Um, Baron Browning, a, 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 an every down linebacker at, at, at uh, uh, Ohio state. Um, Jamar Johnson. A lot of people thought that he would go in like the top three rounds. They got him in the fifth uh, Seth Williams, uh, uh wide out out of Auburn. I thought that he might go in the third or fourth. Um, Jonathan Cooper, Ohio State pass rusher. Uh, he looked like a, a value pick late in the seventh. I mean, they, they really got a lot of good individual talent, but their process was flawed because they passed on an opportunity, you know, at, at a game-changing, um, a franchise-changing selection in Justin Fields at number passing on him at number nine overall and then trading up for a running back. You know, so I I wound up giving him, I think like, I don't know, a C or something like that. But um they yeah, I I, I again I like the indiv- a lot of individual
0: players and I really don't like the process. I mean, this roster is good enough where they they might not be in a position to take a quarterback like Justin Fields again for, I mean, a long time. Like, the roster is, is solid. So, yeah, I mean, they're going to win seven, eight, nine games. And, that, you know, that's yeah. going to be a problem for them if they're trying to address the quarterback position.
1: It feels like they just took a head first dive into long-term uh, quarterback purgatory.
0: Yeah. and my You know, we're moving to Denver in a couple months here. My son's getting excited about being a Broncos fan. And he was like, we are watching the draft. And he's like, do the Broncos have a good quarterback? I was like— Eh, not really. He's like, oh, are they going to take one in this draft? I was like, well, they didn't. He was like, why? I was like, good question. You know, he's six. He understands they need to take a quarterback. So anyways, we move on. We move on to a bigger disaster. Houston Texans did not have a pick until 67th overall because of the Larry Mead trade, other Bill O'Brien disasters. And then due to this Deshaun Watson situation, they feel compelled to use that number 67 overall pick on Davis Mills. But this team is so goddamn bad. Like they're going to be picking first or second next year, almost definitely. They're going to be in a position, I don't know who the top quarterback prospects are. They're going to be in a position again to take the top quarterback prospect, again, essentially torching this Davis Mills pick. I did think Brevin Jordan, the fifth, was a steal nico collins at 89 i thought was fine but yeah this t- win total i mean evan was on the under when it was four and a half and i thought it was a little thin because i was afraid Deshaun might play now it's down to three and a half and i'm like god in a 17 game season i mean their median outcome they're saying is three and 14 yeah. anyways what's there to say left this about is the Texas? lowest win
1: total i've ever seen and yeah. i've never seen a season with 17 games in it right so i mean but dude this team this team got worse i i, I gave him a d minus Only because you have to give them just a little bit of credit because they can't because Laramie Tunsil is 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 effectively a part of this draft class, so I couldn't Mm -hmm. give them an F. But I I think they got worse as a team. Um, They they lit on fire the the 67th overall pick. I even kind of like Davis Mills um, as you know as like a a long shot prospect, but he has no chance of succeeding with the supporting cast that they would put him behind um you know if he gets on the field anytime soon that and they're going to have to draft a quarterback next year you know much earlier so they they completely wasted the, the number 67 pick and then they drafted nico collins but they traded up for nico collins and they gave up a fifth round a fifth round pick this year and a fourth round pick next year to go get nico collins who's i mean they're not going to do anything for as long as Nico Collins is on the roster, and they're giving up away future draft capital. This team is so lost. Like the NFL needs a relegation system to get this team out of the league. They they do not belong in the NFL. I mean, it, they truly they they are so lost and dysfunctional and terrible. Uh, they're an, they're an embarrassment. They're a black mark on the league.
0: Yeah. I know. And the Deshaun Watson situation is obviously making it way, way, way worse. We got reports over the weekend from Lance Zierlein, who actually, I believe, lives in Houston and covers the Texans, and also from Dale Jeremiah saying they don't think many people are saying, I believe the exact quote was many people are saying around the league that Deshaun Watson isn't going to play a snap. And that's like kind of assumed within the league. Deshaun Watson's not going to play a snap this year for the Texans or maybe for anybody else. So Colts. Um, they did take a defensive lineman first, but shout out to Anthony Amico. That was one of the picks that he came on with the props and said, hey, you can get plus 325 on the Colts. Take a defensive lineman first. That did hit with Quiddy Pay, 21st overall out of Michigan. I was really surprised they didn't take any offensive lineman, man. It looks like they're going to try to go with Sam Tevy as their left tackle. I mean, I'm shocked they didn't take an offensive lineman at all. What'd you think of the Colts draft?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm a big Chris Ballard guy. I, re- I really believe in him. I-, I think that he gets it. And I think that this was his worst draft as the Colts GM. Um, I think Pay is a good player. He's also kind of like built strangely for uh, for a pass rusher at 6'1", 262. Um, he, and he wasn't that productive in college. He had 11 career sacks in four years at Michigan, one forced fumble. Um, I think he's better th- than that. And I think he's going to be a good player for them. But I don't think that he is um, – you know, I don't, like I, I thought that Jalen Phillips, in terms of this year's edge rushers, was in a tier above quitty Pay, and then I don't know if they got impact really f- throughout the rest of, of their draft. Um, Deo Odeyingbo is coming off a torn Achilles. I mean, he's probably going to redshirt this year. Their second round pick. They didn't have a third round pick. Kylan Granson, um, you know, is going to be just another tight end for them. I uh, he, he's, he's got some interesting characteristics, but I think he's going to struggle to get on the field behind Jack Doyle and, and Mo Ali Cox, who they gave a, a second round tender. And I think he's, his role is going to expand Mo Alley Cox, like his advanced metric met, his advanced metrics um, as a blocker. And in terms of yards per route run, were mm-hmm. off the charts last year and they need to get him more playing time. Uh, and then, you know, a bunch of five, you know, round five, six, seven guys, uh, I, I don't. I don't think that
0: they improved here, um, with the exception of of Pay. Yeah, and this tackle story is going to continue to follow. Yeah, as they try to protect they, they, Carson Wentz. They do West. have
1: some some options. Charles Leno just got cut by the yep. Bears. You know, at least he's like experienced. Ali Villanueva is still out there, the the Steelers' longtime left tackle. Um, but yeah, I, I gave the the Colts a D for this draft.
0: Yeah. Okay. Staying in the AFC South, Jacksonville Jaguars. You know. I like Travis Etienne. He's the kind of player, the kind of running back who I lean more towards as having an impact in the NFL with the Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey kind of skill set. But man, just listening to Urban Meyer, like I'm a little concerned that he's going to donkey this up. Like he lamented not getting Kadarius Tony, who we thought was a bad pick. He can listen to uh, Friday's podcast for that. You know, he wants to give Tim Tebow a shot at tight end. He says we're not going to win with talent. We're going to win with culture. And I don't know, man, I'm afraid that Myers is going to kind of donkey this up and Travis NTN in the first round is certainly not a step in the right direction from at least a, what we think is a smart team building perspective. What do you think of the Jaguars draft?
1: Yeah. Wasn't that impressed beyond the, the no brain. I mean, and, and Trevor Lawrence is going to cover up a lot of mistakes. I think that this organization makes, but I, I was not impressed, you know, first round running back, um, and then they and then they the the these next picks that they made Tyson Campbell I mean they they already have CJ Henderson who was awesome as a rookie and then Shaquille Griffin who they paid you know big money to 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 sign away from Seattle and then Walker Little is, is an offensive tackle um, behind Cam Robinson who they franchise tagged and Juwan Taylor who they drafted in the seven, 30, uh, 37th overall last year it was almost like they had no regard for the talent that they inherited from the previous regime. Mm-hmm. And now I understand new regimes coming in, you know, they want to get their guys in there, but you have to at least understand, you know, the, the players that you're inheriting. And then Trent balky who, if you remember, just absolutely torpedoed himself in San Francisco by drafting injured guys because he thought that the 49ers roster was so talented that they could like take on a bunch of red shirts. And so, you know, they just red shirt a guy. And then um, I mean, and that completely backfired on him because the, these guys that enter the NFL and don't play in their first season have really, really low uh, odds of becoming successes in the NFL. He, he started to do that again. Uh, he used the, the, uh, the 65th overall pick on Andre Sisco Um, who tore his ACL last September. And then Walker Little, this guy that they drafted, who has like no shot to even get on the field in year one behind Jawan Taylor and Cam Robinson, he tore his ACL uh, and then opted out of 2020. So, I mean, I I was really unimpressed with their draft, but in the end, like Trevor Lawrence is going to just elevate dudes around him and he's going to make the offense. I think the offense is going to be good in year one, at least middle of the road. Um, but yeah, I unimpressed with the the way that they approach this.
0: Yeah, um, for sure. Okay. Speaking of trades, uh, Kansas city got Orlando Brown in the trade for the number 31 pick. So he's part of this class for him. They also got Creed Humphrey, the center out of Oklahoma at 63rd. They're getting LDT back. Like the offensive line is really looking up. I don't know who's going to start where exactly on the offensive line, but it's definitely looking up from a talent perspective. Also, they took no wide receivers. Obviously Sammy's gone, but they're going to go with Hardman Pringle. Demarcus Robinson, some combo of that opposite of Tyreek Hill. So you know, I, I, it's very clear what Kansas City is doing. I mean, they are placing a lot of emphasis right now after what happened in the Super Bowl of protecting Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, that's a no brainer. What do you think of Kansas City?
1: Yeah, I think that they could have used a receiver um, at some point in here, but I do kind of like the pick of Noah Gray in the fifth round to potentially be their number two. He had he crushed his pro day four five five. 35-inch vertical, uh, 6'8", 3-cone at 6'3", 240. Um, I mean, I I like that as an upside pick on day three. Uh, In addition to drafting Creed Humphrey, I think he's going to start right away, uh, potentially, uh, at center. Uh, They got Trey Smith, who a lot of people thought belonged in the second or third round, fell due to uh, medical issues, but absolutely worth the risk. In the sixth round, you mentioned Orlando Brown. They they really and they're getting back Laurent Duvernay-Tardif and Mm -hmm. Lucas Niang, who I think was a third round pick of theirs last year from uh, twenty twenty opt outs. So all of a sudden, their offensive line. I mean, I'm not worried in the least about their offensive line. But I but I you know, and you said this before the draft. I do think that they should have maybe you know jammed in a wide receiver there somewhere. Maybe maybe they'll pick up a veteran free agent after the draft.
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay, I thought the Chargers had a really good draft. They get Rashawn Slater, who falls in their lap at 13th overall. Offensive line is really looking up. I mean, they had Corey Lindsley and Filer were ads. Now they add Slater, too. And then I thought Josh Palmer at 77 is a really good landing spot for him. You know, he lands with Justin Herbert, who's obviously 23 years old, just a mega stud. And then also you get Mike Williams, who kind of plays like Josh Palmer, wins the way that Josh Palmer wins, and his contract is up after this year. And also Josh Palmer could immediately beat out what they have right now for the number three spot, whether that's Tyron Johnson or whoever else, uh, Jalen Guyton, et cetera. So, so yeah, I, I thought it was a good draft for them. This Trey McKitty pick, you know, everybody's in my mentions about Donald Barham being dead. The rhetoric out of Los Angeles, at least for now, is that they needed a blocking tight end. Jared Cook is a move tight end. Donald Parm is a move tight end. They're only going to play on passing downs. Trey McKitty, they think, is going to be a blocking tight end for them um it's a very it's a lot to pay for a blocking tight end i mean 97th overall for trey Mckitty to be play a blocking tight end is an expensive price to pay but i hope that is how they use him still not the best for donald parham i must admit what do you think about the chargers
1: um they uh I, i thought they did really well sometimes it's better to be fortunate than good Although I do think that Tom Telesco is good at drafting, they were very fortunate that Rashawn Slater fell to them at 13, and then Asante Samuel fell to them at 47, because um, those guys were both projected to go early. Earlier, I they knocked out two huge needs. I mean, they cut Casey Hayward. I think Asante Samuel might end up playing outside corner for them, um, like his dad did. He's like he's built like you would think of a nickel corner but he plays like an outside corner. His dad was the the same way. Um, And then Slater, I mean, he's just going to step right in and, and, you know, solidify left tackle after they signed Matt Filer and Corey Lindsey. They're getting back Brian Bulaga. Boom, you got four good offensive linemen Mm -hmm. right there. Um, I I think that Trey McKitty is is more than just a blocking tight end. Um, But I – so I'm I'm worried about Parham, you know, these again, these undrafted dudes, just they get no respect at all. I think Josh Palmer, yeah, is, is going to be the eventual placement for replacement for Mike Williams um, as soon as 2022 taking over as a starter.
0: Yeah. If you go back and listen to the podcast we did with Mike Renner, he said one of his favorite sleepers was Josh Palmer. And again, so I think it's a really good landing spot for him. Las Vegas, man, every year they they, they keep doing this. We're like, I, you know, I don't mind thinking for yourself and being a trade, but one of the reasons that we uh, like with our rankings, like with our underdog rankings, with all our rankings uh, sites, we regress them slightly or a little bit to ADP because you don't want to be so far out of the market that you're taking guys way earlier than you need to. And that seems like what Vegas has been doing every single year. I mean, they've been taking guys, I don't know, three, four, five guys that are going around before anybody else thinks they're going to go. So whether you like them or not, you're still... Seems like you're paying a premium. Alex Leatherwood at 17 overall seems to fit into that category this year. They took no skill players with any of their seven picks. Any thoughts on the Raiders?
1: Yeah, uh, I have very similar thoughts about this draft. I mean, and they they do this, they've done this every year under John Gruden. In year one, it was Colton Miller, and he's worked out fine, uh, but he went way ahead of consensus at at number 15 overall. Then it was Cleveland Farrell going number four overall. He's been a dud. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it was Henry Ruggs and, and Damon Arnett last year, both went ahead of where they projected. Ruggs wasn't super super reach but that was you know taking making him the number one receiver drafted over guys like justin jefferson it looks really bad in hindsight right now and damon arnett like ran four six uh coming out of college they took him 19th overall you know when when the raiders selected him at at 19 um you know the guys uh, during the draft telecast had to like you know rifle through their books to, to find them in their, in their, you know, in their scouting reports. I mean, he was projected to be like a third or fourth rounder. And so they really, really reached on him and he had a horrible rookie season. And so this has not been working out for them. Um, I did think that Alex Leatherwood was a good prospect. I mean, he made a ton of starts in the sec, good athlete, really long arms. I think he's going to be fine but you're right. They're not getting a lot of draft equity there. They wound up trading up in the second round for Trevon Morig, who was projected to be like a fringe first rounder, but then it was revealed that he's coming off a back injury and that scared a lot of teams. They drafted a um, uh, pass rusher, Malcolm Kuntz out of Buffalo, really good production there. Um, but, the, and then they, they used their next two picks on like hybrid safeties. So they went and they took a safety in round two. They, they, of their first five draft picks, they took three safeties. So they are, and now so now they're acknowledging that they missed on their two, one of their 2018 first rounders, Jonathan Abram. That they, you remember that year they had three first rounders. They had, mm-hmm. and they wound up taking Cleveland Farrell, Jonathan Abram, and Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs, yeah. I mean, they blew the whole thing. They blew the <laughs> whole thing, and, and
0: I don't think they did particularly well here either. Yeah. It's such a mess. Well, at least they have John Green on a 10 year lockup. So, no, nothing to worry about there. Miami Dolphins. Um, so, they took Jalen Waddell at number six, and now they have Jalen Waddell, Will Fuller, Devontae Parker. That's a pretty sick three wide set. They also have Mike Josicki, who's essentially an oversized wide receiver. They have Preston Williams, they have Lynn Bowden. I mean, this is just an absolutely loaded up weaponry core now. We had uh, in the draft I was talking about with Leone, we had. Uh, Tua stack where we had, uh, Parker, Fuller, Gesicki. I think we had Gesicki and Tua. And so, you know, you can get those guys relatively cheaply. One winner, I think, from the draft was Miles Gaskin. They didn't take a running back until round seven with Jared Dokes. And so it'll be Miles Gaskin, Malcolm Brown, and Salvan Ahmed. And, you know, I think coaches like Malcolm Brown, but Miles Gaskin is certainly better, and Salvan Ahmed. I think they showed that they prefer Miles Gaskin by a pretty wide margin. So yeah, I think Miles Gaskin is set up pretty well this year. What do you think about what Miami did? They certainly had a lot of capital. Yeah, every single pick that they
1: executed here, with the exception of uh, Jared Dokes, uh was geared toward passing offense or pass defense. I and mean, the Dolphins, they they get it. You know, they get it. They they resisted the outside pressure to draft an early round running back they identified this draft as being top heavy and really really thin late and so they went hard on early round picks um Jalen Waddell you know reuniting him with two I think is is going to add a, a, another dimension to their passing offense um, and maybe a guy that will help to uh you know, have more confidence in in throwing the ball downfield to a guy that he trusts and he knows from college with the shower narrative. Jalen Phillips, the best edge rusher in the draft, I think was an absolute steal at 18. I think that if he didn't have some medical concerns, then he might have been in play like as early as number eight to Carolina. Javon Holland, uh, safety slash corner out of Oregon, I think he's going to see the field right away. Uh, and then Liam Eichenberg, who I thought belonged in the first round. I mean, he's, he's been the left tackle anchor for the last three years, the best offensive line in college football. Um, I know he has short, short arms and he's not a great, great athlete, but I think that he's going to be uh, an instant starter. I mean, these Notre Dame offensive linemen have really, really good track records lately. There's a bunch of starting offensive linemen around the league uh, that played at Notre Dame, and he was as good as any of them except for maybe Quentin Nelson in college and he's, I think he's going to either start at right tackle or they're going to just plug and play him at, at left guard uh, next to Austin Jackson, who had um, a good rookie season when he was healthy. And then Hunter Long, a solid tight end to play behind Mike, Jack- Mike he can. He's not dynamic, but he can block and catch. Um, they did, uh, along the way, sacrifice a, a, a 2022 third rounder to go get um, Eichenberg. Uh, but um, I, I think that it was worth it in in this scenario because again they I, they knew that this draft was real top heavy and they wound up making five picks um, inside the uh, inside the top eighty one and then pretty much took the rest of the draft off and I I, I think that that's a a, a a commendable approach based on the talent in in this this year's pool.
0: Yeah, certainly doing things the right way in Miami. Excited for their future. Speaking of the AFC East, I mean the team that I'm least excited about would be the New England Patriots, obviously, the Jets, obviously, in there as well. But Buffalo and Miami, to me, is certainly a cut above New England. And Everybody wants to say, oh, well, what a genius. Bill Belichick just, he sits tight and his guy slides to him. You know what, man? Maybe nobody really wanted Mac Jones. San Francisco passed. Kyle Shannon said it was never a consideration. Atlanta passed. Detroit passed. Carolina passed. Denver passed. Philly passed. Chicago passed. All these teams passed on Mac Jones. So, oh, what what a genius Bill Belichick is. And I I agree, Bill Belichick is a genius. I'm not saying he's a genius for sitting where he is and taking this guy who he thinks he's going to turn into the next Tom Brady at 15th overall. Nobody else wanted him. It was all media rhetoric. It was all media rhetoric that Kyle Shannon ever even considered Mac Jones. So, I don't know, man. I'm not optimistic on Mac Jones' success here. Not even a slight on Mac Jones. It's a slight on what they have for pass catchers for weaponry, how they're going to play the wide receiver position. So yeah, I know I love Bill Belichick. I think he is a genius. I don't think just like he should be lauded for sitting at 15 and taking Mac Jones.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. All right. I mean, I, th- I think it was, I think it was a pretty good situation. I mean, I think Mac Jones is is, is a, a pretty decent prospect. Um, I, I think he's going to be a starter in the NFL. I don't know if he's going to be like a teammate elevator, you know, Um I do think he's on that Andy Dalton, Kirk Cousins plane, and not that they're even. I mean, I think Kirk Cousins is way better than Andy Dalton, but you you know what I'm talking about in, in terms of being like a, a distributor and, and a point guard and not a playmaker. Uh, but I think he's you know he's accurate, he's smart, and I think that he's going to be their starter uh, for probably for a, a, a while. Um, but yeah, they they're going to continue to need to build pieces. You know, put pieces around him because again, I don't think he's going to elevate. He needs to be elevated by his supporting cast. They do have a good offensive line. They've got two stud tight ends, um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because they really are building up to play to play Powerball, you know, and, and kind of be like contrarian in a league that has gotten light on defense and um, and has so has put so much. Uh, emphasis on the passing game they picked up um, uh, uh, Christian Barmore you know they traded up to go get Christian Barmore to solidify their uh, interior defensive line rotation they used their next pick on uh, an edge pass rusher in Ronnie Perkins they used their next pick on Ramondre Stevenson who's like uh, I mean Bob McGinn's right up they actually had him as as a fullback Uh, but I saw some people compare him to Eddie Uh, he can pass block. He can catch. He can break tackles. He can play on special teams. Uh, but the the entirety of their offense of their off season has been dedicated to you know becoming a, a true bully ball team that wins in the trenches. And we're going to have to see how it goes because most teams are not doing that.
0: Yeah. I mean, that style is so bad for fantasy, too, especially when you're rotating and running back yeah. and everything like that. So, yeah, it's just not great. Yeah.
1: Yo, uh, by the way, I wanted to mention, uh, to win the AFC East right now, Dolphins plus 333. Mm-hmm. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, if Tua can take a step forward, man, that that's very, very, very much in play for sure. And, yeah, I mean, a lot of this is going to be how you wait New England. I think we both agree Buffalo is going to be very good, but if you wait New England to be worse in the market things, then Miami starts to look really good. Nobody's giving the Jets much of a chance. Speaking of the Jets, they take Zach Wilson at two, of course. And then Elijah Moore at 34 was a really interesting pick. I think I like him. I think a lot of people like him. A lot of sharp people like him. I know you like him. He overlaps a ton with Jamison Crowder. Um, Jamison Crowder can be cut and they can save 10 million. I don't know what they need the money for, though. They're already like 25 million under the cap. So I don't see much motivation for them to cut Jamison Crowder. Maybe I'll be wrong there and they will. I think Elijah Moore, though, could beat out other people. Maybe he can beat out Denzel Mims for some reps on the outside or something like that and they also have Keelan Cole on the team too by the way but anyways I you know just getting good talent I thought Elijah Moore was a fine pick by the way Jets did not take a tight end our old friend Evan Chris Herndon new regime Zach Wilson maybe there's a chance here for Chris Herndon to redeem himself I would only need to win like a million dollars with Chris Herndon to get unstuck at this point but maybe it can start happening
1: yeah, I mean, look, you know, Adam GaSe is gone, yeah. and we know what happens to old Adam GaSe players when they get away from from the death grip of, of Adam GaSe. So, I mean, I, I'm here for Chris Herndon redemption. I, I mean, I, I am here for that. I think they could trade Jamison Crowder, and then they could they they would save money under the cap. They could roll that over to next year, um, and maybe get you know a middle round pick for him. He's a good player. He just oh, yeah. has not stayed healthy, but he's a really good slot receiver. Um, I mean, I I think that he could fit like in Carolina, reuniting with Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I really this is a team where I like their approach. You know, you, this is why I like doing draft grades because you can kind of zoom out. Well, you're you're zooming in on the team, but you can zoom out on uh, on you know the way that they are constructing their roster and you can sort of put yourself into the mind of Joe Douglas after he drafts Zach Wilson, you know, and he came in on the back end of the failure of Sam Darnold. He uses his next three picks to help Zach Wilson. He trades up for Elijah Verar Tucker. Joe Douglas said after the draft that he had a top 10 grade on Elijah Varrar Tucker. A lot of times people roll their eyes when, when, you know, GM speak, but Elijah Varrar Tucker, like, I I think he could start at right. He's going to start at left guard here, but I think he could play right tackle. I think he could even play left tackle. He's like a really, really good prospect. Now he's going to line up next to Makai Becton, a guy that a lot of people uh, criticized. Coming into to last year, had an awesome, awesome rookie season under the death grip of Adam Gase, which is never easy to do. So now they've got their their bookend left tackle and left guard for Zach Wilson for the next 10 years. Theoretically, they bring in Elijah Moore, which gives them flexibility to do, you know, what what they what they can with Jameson Crowder to continue to help improve their roster Elijah Moore reminded me a lot of Doug Baldwin when I watched him play he runs four three five I mean I think we you know we've looked we've seen uh previous Ole Miss receivers and DK Metcalf and AJ Brown come in and crush it right away I think Elijah Moore was was a, a very very fine pick at 34 overall and then Michael Carter who is a pass catching weapon at running back I don't think that he is a bell cow but I do think that he could be the jet starter certainly over Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson and he's going to make an impact in the passing game so you, you can kind of see the way that that Joe Douglas is building and I think that he's building this right
0: yeah I like that it certainly is the name to watch there is Michael Carter for sure interesting that you think he could be the starter at some point this season speaking of running back stepping in as the starter pittsburgh steelers of course took Najee harris at 24th overall we talked about that on friday and you're know, working on the projections a little bit we have harris around 18 touches per game which i think could be a little bit conservative but still that's enough to have him 25th overall in our underdog rankings rb 13 just behind joe mixon and nick chubb just ahead of antonio gibson and Miles Sanders. So, you know, Najee's going to have an immediate, immediate impact in fantasy and someone we're going to have to talk about right away just on volume alone. Friar they took at 55. Shout out Penn State, but still think Eric Ebron is very clearly the pick there if going tight end. And I actually still think Eric Ebron is a pretty good value where he's going in drafts right now. But anyways, what would you think of the Steelers draft?
1: Yeah, I just I, I just have a fundamental disagreement, I guess, with their – you know, with their management that they needed like way more offensive line help than they got. They, they didn't take an offensive lineman until uh, 87th overall. Um, Kendrick Green, uh, you know, in, in the Bob McGinn article, the, the scouts really saw him as like a workout warrior. Apparently, the, according to Steelers beat writers, the um, uh, they, the Steelers envisioned him as Marquise Pouncey's replacement at Uh, center Kendrick Green started 33 games at Illinois only four of them were at center Um, you know again uh, 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 the you know like the 87th overall pick in a really weak draft relying on him to be like a day one starter is is dicey Mm -hmm. and then they took Dan Moore at number 128 out of Texas A&M I just I, I think that they they needed to draft multiple I needed I think they needed to use their first three picks on offensive linemen legitimately and they didn't even take one until number 87 they passed on to take Fryermuth. they, they passed on Creed Humphrey who's going to be a, the, the chief starting center in year one Josh Myers out of Ohio State Jalen Mayfield out of um, out of Michigan and then they to to take the running back. They passed on Landon Dickerson, Tevin Jenkins, who's going to be the starting left tackle for the Bears, and Liam Liam Eichenberg, who again we we discussed when we talked about the Dolphins. I, I just I don't think they got better with this draft. And um, but I, I I'm with you that I, Najee Harris he he should be good in fantasy. I don't think he's going to average very many yards per carry, but I think he's got a chance to catch like 50 balls and, and you know go over 200 carries for sure.
0: Yeah. Okay, last AFC team we're going to do here is the Tennessee Titans. One of the big stories of the draft, I thought, was no wide receiver help until the fourth round with Louisville's Dez Fitzpatrick. No tight end help. So we're going to the season with A.J. Brown competing for targets with the likes of Josh Reynolds and the FERC daddy, Anthony Furkser. I mean, you know, it's hard to envision scenarios where A.J. Brown in this offense gets 160, 170 targets, but, you know, he could easily get... 150. I mean, eight targets, eight and a half targets per game. Last year, A.J. Brown on just 7.6 targets per game finished as fantasy's wide receiver five in points per game. Obviously, just a total freak talent, total tons of efficiency. Does lose Arthur Smith, but still, I mean, you're going to have to pay a major premium to get A.J. Brown. He's going to go around the one-two turn early second round this year for sure. But man, this draft is only going to put more gasoline on the A.J. Brown fire. What do you think of what the Titans did?
1: Well, if we've got Jordan Love throwing to Devonte Adams and Taysom Hill throwing to Michael Thomas, who are we ranking at wide receiver ahead of AJ Brown, Tyreek Hill? Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> I'll give you that. I'll give you that. And uh-huh. and, and that might be it. Okay. Yeah, that
0: I might mean, be it. I mean, yeah, we we were actually grappling with this. It's hard. The Devonte Adams ranking is hard right now because you want to build in some risk. It's just hard to know how much risk to build in on that the other guy that would be steph diggs i mean it would just be tyree kale and steph yeah, diggs yeah. if you if you weren't take if you were afraid to take Devonte adams yep i agree
1: yeah um as for the titans draft i mean and, and you know josh reynolds all of a sudden is is looking pretty yeah. good as a um a double digit round pick maybe he'll even slide into like the eighth or ninth round range We'll we'll see about that um Gosh, man, that AJ Brown, so many targets. But as for the draft, I, I, I like their draft. Um, there's not there's not a lot of fantasy impact other than I'm just passing on, um, you know, potential pass catchers. But Caleb uh, Fairly, you know, knocked out a huge need. Dylan Radunes, uh, uh Daniel Jeremiah actually had Dylan Reddunes in his final mock draft uh, as a first round pick. Um, and they got him at 53, um, out of North Dakota State, the best team in all of FCS football. You know, started a ton of games, athletic, uh, good. You know, good enough arm length, um, and he kind of erases their their the disaster that was their first round pick last year, uh, Isaiah Wilson, who just like just went like off the deep end. Um, Monty Rice, they didn't pick up Rashawn Evans. Fifth year option. I think that Monty Rice eventually replaces him. And then Elijah Molden, who drew like comparisons to to, to Rand Matthew and buddha Baker um, as like a, a physical safety slash slot corner. Um, another addition to that secondary that that needed it. Um, but yeah, I mean, a pretty, pretty solid draft here.
0: Yep. Okay. We've said it all. We've gone through each AFC team. Be sure to check out Evans draft grades, which are up for free on the site Dynasty Rankings and most importantly it is best ball season underdog don't forget the promo use the link to get in there get free $25 our rankings are updated with everything from the draft a lot of alpha available a lot of delta uh, of what you do in drafts you won't be able to do later this season because the idp is starting to get ironed out for sure all right we'll be back next episode for the NFC for Evan. For Producer Luke, I am Adam. Good luck everybody.